0: Oh, Sorry, I'm, I, I, I was just cleaning my return key because I was terrified um, to potentially get uh, dust into it. So I just added about a hundred lines of uh, empty space in our document.
1: Imagine recording this show after the September event and they haven't updated the iMac. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's going to be a fun show.
1: It could be, it could be interesting. I might refuse to speak. Why don't we just use FaceTime for this call?
2: Hey, we could do that. There was a problem, though.
1: Yeah, but maybe it's been fixed. I wonder if we'll ever get multi-caller FaceTime. Probably not. It probably is going to be a selling point of the new iPhone, though. Like, oh, the front camera is so amazing, so you can FaceTime all 32 of your friends. So they probably do want to push it out in time for that.
2: No, I think it's coming off. The, it's coming off. Yeah, there. but so
1: th- then they can. They, they said it would be. So fall. then they can do the the whole 12.1 thing, like they did with. Um, yeah. There was something for. Didn't
2: they do that with? Uh, and uh, an emoji. They or did
1: something? that with the portrait mode on the iPhone 7 Plus, where they showed it off at the keynote. Yep. It was a huge deal. Um, but it was. It came portrait the
2: following
1: mode. Month.
2: Hmm? What is this? Oh, oh yeah.
1: The camera effect. Mm. So it could be like that.
2: Because
1: I probably still want it in the keynote.
2: Mm.
0: But I mean, it sounds like um, multi-color face time was just super buggy. I don't think they they hold it. I think portrait mode, they had to hold for that device, right? I think this is more of a, this feature is clearly not ready.
1: They could have Um? shipped with that device though. They shipped like a month later or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. But yeah, this is buggy and they would need more time. and They yeah. don't want to commit to putting it out in 12.0, which gives them more time. It's interesting, though. It's, it's interesting. I mean,
0: that happens a lot at Apple at the moment, right? Announcements, not getting it ready in time, delaying it. I mean, for me, the biggest problem is all the announcements, but we've always had iOS features being announced at DubDub and then shipping later. I know, but
2: it's different. And there's a reason behind that. Like, you want to announce what's coming in iOS because you want developers to be able yeah. to adopt to it. It's not necessary to tell someone that AirPower will be available later. No,
0: no. Hardware products, 100%. I don't understand what, what's going on there. But like with iOS features, I feel like even with iOS features, we have more delays I think. And... I
2: think because um, I feel like the way, if there was a new feature in iOS that was bigger, like Siri or Face, like FaceTime, like any any features that are like bigger features, that's something that you never used to have. Like mid through uh, an iOS, you used to have it in the beginning. Otherwise, they would probably hold it till the next year's iOS. It's quite seldom that they have like a point update in the middle of the OS that includes a new feature. So I think that might be why they rather want to mention it beforehand and then roll it out.
1: Yeah,
0: for what?
2: Like things like iMessage in the cloud, I think it would just be very random if that's all of a sudden being available, um, which is why they would have mentioned it before it was available. They could move away from the one big update a year. Yeah, I just feel like their way of letting people, letting the general population know of what's available in the OS is through the September mm-hmm. event. Yeah, And if they're not going to... Release something on the September event, but they're gonna do it within the same iOS ver- main mm-hmm. version. Um, it would be hard to. It might be more difficult to get make the average customer aware of that functionality. but if they say it as a pre announcement, that's something that people will f- be more interested in. But I
0: think I don't think a lot of normal consumers uh, really care about iMessage and iCloud. I don't think that's a thing you see on a slide, and you're like hell yeah i think that's more something for us to to care about i just don't understand you know that's not a thing you need to announce for developers that's not a thing you need to announce for for getting a lot of publicity this is nothing the the new york times is writing about this is at most something you would get to 9 to 5 mac or or mac rumors and that's kind of Extend to where this would be covered. I don't understand why Why you need to announce that. But I also, what, what is more concerning to me is the. I mean, iMessage in iCloud was delayed by, what was it, 10 months? Yep. I think it came out like a few days before yep. before the DubDub keynote. And still not yep. enabled by um, default. How can when you. That happened. Yeah, yeah. It's there, but you have to manually enable it. But I, I don't understand how you can be so far of thinking that the feature is so much more progress than it actually is. I mean, there seems to be something wrong with communication or just that people now have healthier work-life balances that work at Apple. Because, I mean, uh, something must have changed, right? There always certain things were announced. Some things were just unannounced. To me, at least from the outside, that feels unforced. Like air power, I don't think anyone needed to... I I think Apple wanted to announce it because it's cool, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like there was any force of that being announced at that point in time.
2: I don't know, though. Maybe because it was released at the same time um, as the iPhone X came out, or it was mentioned the same time as the iPhone X came out. And I think a big selling point of why they made the... or a big reason why they made the glass back and why it was more expensive um, as a a side effect of it having a glass back was... um, because they wanted to enable air power and wireless charging. And I think enabling a phone with wireless charging but not providing a wireless charger could be a little bit um, questionable. But that's so they what they did anyway.
0: It. They just said, we will release it. And I mean, they already re- released the iPhone 8 before that with with uh, G-charging capabilities without air power. It's yeah, just weird they... to announce a product that is... Apparently, so far away. I mean, it's, it clearly hasn't been in production at that point, right? Yeah. So, why would you announce something so far in advance where you don't actually feel? I mean,
2: maybe it was in production though, but then they did. Uh, maybe maybe they started producing the initial units and they had other problems, or so they the, found The like, plastic It's a, it's a white yellow. product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, maybe they found out that after a while, after testing it out for a while, it's, um, it's not living up to the quality that they want. So, they had to rethink it. And I think this has happened before, especially with white products. Um, so that could have been why. And I think they announced, um, to get back to what you said, Kai, that the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus came out before the 10 and also had wireless charging. I think it was still announced together with the 10. Um, and I mentioned air power in the same keynote. So I think it might have been something that they wanted to announce at the same time as they announced the wireless charging.
0: Yeah, I, I just feel like it's something we see a lot more frequently lately that that things are are being delayed and sometimes unforced. I think even yeah. even even if you say I want to announce it with it, I yeah. don't know if that's that's worth it. I don't think yeah, people I do. would. I don't think there would have been. Um, I think air power is, or like a wireless charger, is something that is built on the Qi standards and therefore quite easy to have third party parts four. I don't think anyone would have complained if Apple didn't release an uh a cheat charger. I think the only thing an announcement might have done is that certain people who are diehard Apple fans to hold out on buying a cheat charger to wait for Apples. So I, I guess that no. might be something and then jumping on any of the others because then you you haven't heard anything.
2: And... I don't know if that was necessarily though, because the year they took out the they took the headphone jack away. Already the year before the 10, I believe. Yep. The headphone, there was no headphone jack in 7, right? And they did get a fair bit, like, at least in ours, in the tech circle, they did get a fair bit of, um, backlash, I guess, on the fact that they took the headphone jack away, which I think we should just get over. The headphone jack is gone and I really don't have any issues with it. Um, but there are still people today who are complaining about this. And I think, um, maybe they wanted to justify that earlier decision, uh, but by then saying that they also going to introduce air power. And that means that you sort of have a headphone jack and you can charge at the same time because it has wireless charging.
1: I see what you mean, but the move to wireless charging didn't take anything else away. There's still that physical port. Yeah. Yeah I, know, yeah, yeah, I I agree with the part that they want to be seen doing something. And I think that makes complete sense that if you're, I think one of you mentioned a diehard Apple fan, like you're probably going to wait for the, the Apple wireless charging pad. And that makes sense as to why it was pre-announced. Um, but I don't think it would have been, maybe from a business move, but I don't think it would have been the wrong move to not have announced anything and just said, hey, we have these great Mofi chargers available on day one which you can purchase and i was at the store on on iphone 8 launch day and the the apple staff were walking up and down the line with the phone and with a mophie wireless charger to say hey here's how it charges and i don't really know what the point of that was but uh, they're definitely still pushing the other brands uh even though they aren't apple per se
0: yeah and i i think it's just because the t charger is is um Open to anyone to license and implement. I don't think there was as much of a desire or necessity to do that. And as Zach said, it's not—you didn't have to give up anything. It was just an addition on a on a phone that used to come without a headphone jack. Now at uh, uh, wireless charging, but I don't think people would use wireless charging and then use the now freed port. Uh, to to plug in their headphones because wireless charging is not really a thing where your phone is still usable it's usually more of a night pad like a place where you put it overnight while charging it not really a place where you would be on an airplane and put it on a t-charger and then listen to to headphones headphone through through a lightning port
2: yeah yeah no i do i do also agree with what you where you're coming from i think maybe um, I mean, not, we won't know why, uh, air power isn't out yet. And there are cl- probably some issues with the manufacturing. Um, but I do agree where, I see where you're coming from with there being more and more things being pre-announced that aren't coming out. I think it was the same with the HomePod and the same with, um, AirPlay 2. Um, and I think it, you, you do notice it a bit. And I'm not sure what the reason is. I think again, everything's like, it doesn't seem to be a general reason i think something like the HomePod could be just because they noticed that there was a lot of competition in that space like the like the um google home and the, um, the amazon echo uh, and i think that could have been like reasons for why they wanted to announce it that early um so maybe it's just a case like on a on a case-by-case situation um but yeah i definitely agree with there being a lot of pre announcements which is not really it makes it less exciting for me i sort of i don't like i'm, I'm i don't want to say that i liked it being more secretive before but i felt like before things were pre announced it was a lot more exciting things that were coming up
0: yeah i think i think there's a difference with secrecy though I, secrecy is about not leaking it before the announcement yep. and i think Apple is in a probably in one of the best states since people started caring about things before release. I mean, we we didn't see a lot of leaks like for the first iPhone, but that was uh, uh, kind of more about that project being very few people that worked on that and very few people that were disclosed on 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 that kind of project. Um, and then the next few iPhones were just small enough volume that they didn't. We didn't see as many leaks from the Chinese supply chain. We didn't see as many people actually seeking uh, out uh, cases and shells and those kind of things. We kind of had some, but it was definitely in a lower scale than than we've had over the last two or three years. Um, My problem is more about pre-announcing things, not as in we will release them in September and then it will release in September. I think that is okay. Uh, I I just find it weird to pre-announce things where where, I mean, pre-announcing things that you know will make it in that time because they're essentially done, but you you just now uh, picked the right release window. I think that's fine. Or or kind of FCC certification processes or those kind of things. I think that's all right. My problem is more with things where that are clearly not done enough to be confident enough to give a specific date and then missing those dates. I mean, it could just be that um those are signs of a healthier work-life balance at apple which might just be a good thing people don't work
2: yeah but just because you want a healthy work-life balance doesn't mean that you necessarily have to pre-announce things
0: no no but it might just no no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is just there there are kind of release dates set and now there's a higher priority on on yeah on letting those slip instead of working uh 120 hour weeks
2: yeah, but something like iMessage in, the, in iCloud, I feel like that would have been a lot of work-life balance if that was the reason for that. There must like, there must be something bigger um, because like just the fact that you don't want to push your employees too hard uh, wouldn't make for that much of a delay in products or in software. So I feel like maybe there's just a different thing that's occupying employees at Apple at the moment. There could be different projects or for some reason they were supposed to have more resources on a project and... Um, things have been shifted around internally, and they might actually have to move people onto other projects because there might be new things coming up that we're not aware of yet, and that would that often like that that it could happen that that uh, takes away employees from but the But
0: those things would be accounted for, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't pre-announce something for in three months, and then you realize, oh wait, we have the super secret project that we need everyone for. Damn it, we forgot about it again. It's more. I mean that that should be. If it's a secret important project that you pull everyone off on, uh, then that's something you should know about yeah. and account for. Yeah, I don't think that's that's very likely. I mean, it it could happen, but I mean, it sounds like from from what I've heard is that in general, work life balance is a bit more acceptable now at Apple.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, and I think I think that that is good because I think a lot of people who worked at Apple. A while back, they, they were very pressured, especially around releases and around uh, WWDC, um, because they have had, like for for a lot of core products, they seem to have had quite small teams. Um, and of course, there is a lot of pressure on, on those people. So I definitely think that sounds like a good approach, just to make make people happy over the long term. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's probably a good move.
0: Because I think all of us, we work in, in software, and I think all of us had missed deadlines. So I, I don't think it's a thing that's that's unique to Apple, but I think yeah, it was more of the, a unique thing to Apple to not miss deadlines before.
2: But I guess it's also just the the amount of days they missed the deadline by. I think that's a bit more surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I feel like there must be something that was not account of, accounted for. Even if you put in work, uh, work-life work balance, it wouldn't delay it that much. So I think there must be something internally that went wrong on certain, in certain areas.
0: All right, should we start the show?
1: So, Kai, you are going to give us a bit of a 101 on Mastodon, I believe. Let's get started.
0: Uh yeah, as as T. I thought
2: about I thought about calling it Mastodon Crash Course, but it's probably not fitting very well considering that the instance went down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um Yeah. Yeah, that's what you get. I mean it it I said uh a few days ago that it kind of feels like the early days of Twitter and it seems like it it also uh copies some of the early days of Twitter mistakes. Um uh,
2: you mean because text messages are that expensive? That wasn't very unfunny. <laughs> Zach is laughing, yes. he's just muted. Yeah, I not to through that.
0: We, we can use that as a go-to excuse. If one of us makes a lame joke, we can just say, I see Zach laughing, he's
1: just muted. Really, the picture is just being frozen for um, five minutes and you hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah i mean mastodon is just again a social network that's built with ruby on rails uh so we'll see how how scaling goes yeah so uh i thought i i kind of do or or actually it's kind of all of us kind of talking about uh an introduction to mastodon and where where they're coming from what kind of the they uh uh what all of the different words mean there. There are some things that are very similar to Twitter. Others are quite different. Some of them are kind of weirdly named and therefore more confusing than they need to be. And I thought it would just be interesting because over the last few days, or last few episodes, in this particular case, it was a few days because we're kind of pre-recording some of the episodes for to free Zach up for his his uh, deaf world talk. I really hope Mastodon is still around though for for the September event because I think that would be a good stress test for the for their systems. Um, anyway, so um, I think the 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 core um, words that are being used in Mastodon are so for Twitter, if you write a message, that's a, called a tweet, and on Mastodon because Mastodon is I think an extinct type of
2: mammoth. Uh, yeah. Uh, wasn't it like an American mammoth?
1: So it's a large... Uh, sorry, a mastodon is a large, extinct, elephant-like mammal uh, of some very scientific words, which I, which I cannot read, uh, having teeth of a relatively primitive form and number. So a mastodon... Why did uh, it
2: specita- specify the teeth so much?
1: Maybe that's what makes it unique compared to a Yeah, a it's mammoth. a very distinct... The mammoths have okay. like, big teeth. It's a very
0: distinct facial feature <laughs> that they want to point out.
2: Not a not long nose, it's the teeth that you well, should
1: maybe face. if one's staring you in the yeah. face, that's what grabs your attention.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but because Mastodon is uh, an extinct elephant-like uh, creature, they are calling their, their equivalent to a tweet a toot. Um, it And the toot has 500 characters uh, instead of the um, 140, 280 in Twitter. <laughs> um, the, and that's kind of where the first kind of difference in approach starts already. So when you send a toot, you can kind of select uh, four different um, ways of, of sending that toot. So you have public, which is basically equivalent to what a tweet would be on Twitter. So everyone can see that you can see that in uh, if you if you're being f- uh, if all your followers can see that uh, everyone that's looking for you it's on on all the public timelines we're probably going into those later um, so it's just a tweet that you're happy for everyone everywhere to see um, the second option is unlisted which means um, it's not showing up on the uh, public timeline but um, anyone else can see it on your user account. Then you can select followers only, which means only people that follow you can see the tweet. Um, and direct message. The tweet. The tweet. thank you. Uh, only people that follow you can see the toot. Uh, and then direct message. So direct message on Mastodon doesn't work like in Twitter, where it's more of a separate kind of interface and more of a messenger-like interface. Instead, you use the same way you would send a toot. So you just do an add and the username that you want to send a direct message to. You select the, um, the message type to be direct. And then only all the people that were uh, mentioned inside of that message can see that toot. Um, so that's kind of the main differences uh, between the tweet and the toot. Um, then a retweet on Twitter is a boost in Mastodon um the only real difference is that you can quote tweet someone so it's more of a um the idea behind that i believe is that you shouldn't do like commentary mostly negative commentary that you that you sometimes see on twitter that you uh retweet someone and say hey they're an idiot uh i think that's the idea behind why you should only be able to expose those pe- th- those that persons uh message but you shouldn't uh, kind of have this negativity that you might point out that someone is an idiot um, then the uh, next one is a Twitter changed the wording at some point from that you can favorite a tweet to like it and on Mastodon it's still called favorite Um Then on Twitter, you have, at least when you use the first-party clients or the website, you have a scrambled uh, uh, timeline where Twitter decides what goes first and what goes second and uh, random things kind of going in between. And then there are some ads. Well, on Mastodon, it's uh, just a chronological timeline. So uh, the newest tweet is on top and the oldest tweet is in the bottom. And you can just scroll through them in, in that order. Um, and then I think the most complicated and confusing and worst named part of Mastodon is an instance. Um, I think that is what a lot of people are being confused about and what makes the system, I think, harder than it needs to be because, um, Mastodon is not, uh, centralized. So Twitter, you only have Twitter.com being kind of the service for, for the, um, where everyone signs up, creates their accounts, gets a username. That username is then unique across all of Twitter, um, and you always go to Twitter to to interact with with Twitter. So it's it's quite simple and and easy to main, easy for for user to to get ahead head around. You You'd sign up to a website and use that website. Uh, Mastodon is federated, so you have a whole bunch of different servers. So anyone could uh, create their own. Uh, server um master calls it instance um did i c- they call
2: it instance or did they call it federation
0: no it's an instance
2: what is a federation In,
0: a federation is a collection of instances
2: so like master on the social and master on technology would be
0: part of the federation okay so um all those instances can talk to each other and then they federate. So then, oh, okay. um, but you can also, I don't, I didn't want to jump right there, but you can also have an instance that uh, doesn't federate. So there, I've seen some communities um, that do not want to be exposed uh, publicly as much, uh, don't want to be, don't want to have this kind of um, public visibility and Therefore, so
2: they, so they would rather use it like a private Slack group or like a, a Slack channel instead. Yeah,
1: but
0: yeah. So then they might not federate. So it's it's kind of running more more uh, in a smaller group in a smaller community. Um, but that is very rare. I think most of the instances people see uh, at the moment being mentioned on Twitter and being recommended to and those kind of things, they're usually part of of the kind of bigger federation. Yeah. Um, and then the idea behind that was that you can basically have a whole bunch of different feder- uh, different uh, instances you pick the one that uh, you would like to be part of that could be either because you think um it's kind of close close to what you're interested in so there there is like a technology master instance where that has like a technology focus yeah. there could be some more local ones as in geographical locations so there might be a sydney on australia or a canada instance where you kind of have more more of a geographical uh, uh, uh community but again, it can be anything
2: again that doesn't mean that you will only be inter- interacting with the people who are in the australian instance or in the um, tech- technology instance it's more that if you have a specific interest in technology you get I guess you get some benefits of being in the technology one, just because you can, um, di- like many apps actually directly separate the, uh, uh, like like have a home tab which is basically your um, your instance, but then you also have the mixed one, so it's not at all like you have so much crossover between them. So I feel like that's probably a gap that's often confusing to wrap your head around because I think there isn't really a gap. It's more if you want to focus on something, you can decide to do so.
0: Yeah and I think I think that is fair that that is quite it is very different because you have this kind of concept of you are on a server on an instance um and you can see all the messages that kind of go on that, and then you have your home feed your 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 timeline that might consist of toots from people both on your instance and on other instances, yeah, so I do think that is a bit confusing, but um in the end. I think for what most people use it for, um, if it grows to a point where where you can use it as a your main way of communicating in this kind of microblog style, um, I think you wouldn't really need to use the the public timeline or uh, the the uh, instance um, yeah. public timelines as much.
2: Yeah, I think for some people who um, for some people it might be. Um, less of a use case to actually use the public timeline just because if they want to have it as a play as a twitter replacement um it's not that often that you want to look at a specific group so i think it might be less and less common but i think one other as i understand like from what i gather i think one other benefit of the instance is definitely that you can it's like a infinite amount of Names you can use because you can have a specific, a unique. You just need to have a unique name for your instance. So if I guess that's beneficial. You don't really have to name yourself Marlin two thousand and eighteen, just yeah. because you couldn't find something. Another, pro- that another. Is
0: both a benefit and a downside, though, because now you can have a Marlin on each instance, yeah. and it makes it kind of hard to. I think there are things like it makes it really hard to um, vet whether someone is a real person. So there could be. Uh, a a Tim Cook yeah, account yeah. On, on every single instance. And yeah, it's, true. it's really hard, if not impossible, to verify who is real, who is fake.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a very good point. Um, I want to go through the things that you mentioned a bit more in detail, just go back to uh, certain points about uh, Mastodon, but I think just to touch again on uh, instances, I think another benefit another thing that you might see later on as a separation between instances could be that different instances have maybe potentially different business plans or different focuses, because I think in the end you will need to um, in order to run the instances, you probably need to get some type of income. And I think um, some instances might focus very much on like Patreon accounts or some instances might be more like purely community run or non-for-profit, um, r- just just run for like certain organizations. Um, and I think there you might have a difference in the instances. And maybe when it comes to um, like, maybe, maybe depending on, what you personally want to spend on it or what you personally want to get out of it, you might pick an instance because of that.
0: Yeah. It's a- also that every single instance has their own code of conduct. Yeah. So while a lot of people at the moment ex- uh, complain about what, what Twitter deems to be Twitter-worthy and whatnot, um, at Mastodon you can pick a a instance based on their code of conduct and their policies that are that are on that instance so you could go somewhere that is very very strict on for example there is there's an um an instance that's kind of more about pop culture so they're very strict on on spoiler warnings yeah um there are some that are very strict on um that political messages should be behind a content warnings to to kind of have their a separation of knowing, all right, this is a political message. I only want to sh- see that if I explicitly in the mood of reading political commentary. Um, but they're also, uh, most of the bigger ones that are being advertised at the moment are very strict on on hate speech and and no uh, r- uh, far right extreme uh, symbols and, and messaging.
2: Yeah, and I do see the benefit of that, having that because people can sort of... Like, I see where they're coming from when they have different um, different terms and conditions or different uh, rules for the different instances, but I also think I'm not sure if it will be as beneficial as it sounds, because I think in the end, if since you do still have... If you want to use it as a play, Twitter replacement, you're not going to care about which instance you're on or which instance other people are on. So I have a feeling that like, even if my instance is very... Uh, against hate speech if i follow someone who doesn't have that uh, where the instance is not explicitly saying that um i may as well i i, I can still see hate speech of content that i don't uh, agree with from from other instances too mm, right
0: not necessarily i mean that means you explicitly follow that person right yeah so but for is- example
2: okay like uh, i think something like hate speech is probably a bit more extreme but let's say spoilers um i might be in the uh, in a specific uh, pop culture uh, instance, and I expect no one there to say anything or to spoil anything. But then I think I o- might also follow another one, which is just like on that Social. And if they don't have the same rules, I can be sp- uh, there. There can be spoilers leaking through.
0: Yeah. So those those kind of things are mostly related to to the timelines for that instance, because yeah. that makes sense, right? The instance timeline has those. But your home feed is basically your collection of people from all instances in the world that you want to follow. So, um, the idea is that the, 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 uh, timeline for at least the way I seem to understand it, uh, is that the, um, the instance, the public feed on the instance is, is, um, curated by the, code of conduct for that instance and your home feed is essentially curated by yourself right because you decide who you want to follow you decide who what you want to mute what hashtags you want to mute what kind of uh, words you want to mute and those kind of things yeah or even you can mute entire instances entire domains and those kind of things and um if there is an instance that's explicitly for hate speech there's also the option to um Apart from you yourself um, uh, blocking that instance and in that domain, you can also, um, your instance can also say that they stop federating with that instance. So then there is no more, okay. no longer connection between the two. And that's kind of the, the kind of moderation side of it that okay. becomes a lot more complicated because you have individual. People that are in charge of enforcing the policies of each instance, yep. which is kind of fine when we're in the every instance has a hundred people, but it becomes complicated where now Macedon Social has over two hundred thousand people.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think the, um I understand the concept and I think um, it's great that you can sort of make whatever you want out of it, depending on your interests and you can decide what should be in your timeline. And you can also decide to focus more on this like instant specific timelines. And I think that's great, um, but I'm just hoping that all of those different options are not going to make it um, too difficult for you to curate the, the information that you want to see. And I hope that it would be great if there is some like this sounds a bit complicated when you're saying it. Um, I think when you start to use the app, it is quite straightforward. Uh, or when you start to use the social media platform, it is pretty straightforward. But there are still like the wording is still a bit confusing. And the fact that you can customize it so much makes it a bit difficult to get into it. Uh, so I'm hoping that this won't be like, um, I'm hoping that this won't confuse people too much so that they sort of get scared away from using it.
0: Yeah. Um I also think it probably will get easier over time because at the moment, it's. I think a lot of the uh, Mastodon team was probably also overwhelmed with how much of an increase in user rates and and toot rates they've had over the last uh, few days. Um, And I think also just a lot of the nice usability of of Twitter came from third-party apps. And I think that's where we'll also see a lot of easier ways of using it because a lot of those things can be hidden from you to a lot uh, to to a big extent where at the moment you kind of have to have more of an understanding of what you're doing if you want to get into those kind of details I think a lot of people just sign up on Mastodon social and they follow some people and it seems like there's not a lot that you need to know about it yeah it seems to kind of work but I do think there's a lot of uh potential for improving some of the kind of usability aspects of of Mastodon
2: yeah I was gonna say this I think that um it is a very early stage in the community. I mean, it's been around for a while, but there haven't been that many people on the platform, but I think now we're really gonna see what shape this community wants to take and I think you had like you said, guy, you had the same on Twitter, a lot of things came from third party apps and also I think just the concept of how to use the platform is just not very known yet and i think depending on how people want to use it if they want to use it as a twitter replacement it's probably going to become more like twitter is at the moment Uh, but twitter has had so many different so many years of iterating on the product and so many years of shaping the product Um, so i think um it's definitely it's probably going to shape into what the community wants it to be and even if you still want to use um even if you want to use uh more in a um instance based um approach, like you just want to follow your specific instance or you want to have multiple accounts in different instances, I think you can do that too. But it might, like you said, can come down to the third-party apps to see what the app, depending on what the apps are focusing on, you might use it in a specific way. But there might be apps that support both different use cases.
0: But it's also that Mastodon and the kind of core development team seems to still roll out new updates for that improve usability and kind of the initial sign-on experience. To kind of get you a better understanding of what you have to do next. So, for example, the, there is a bridge that helps you to find your, so you can kind of do an OAuth, um, uh, O-O-th, uh, you, you, what do you call that? oorth? signing thing. Yeah. 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 So you basically have this, this kind of website where you can uh, log in with your Twitter account, log in with your Mastodon account, and then it automatically finds you all the people you follow on Twitter and t- sees if they are already on Mastodon and then auto follows them. Yeah. I think that is something that makes it really easy for the migration for, for users and also kind of takes care of this initial step of understanding that a username might include an instance. I think that's something I forgot to mention earlier. So your username is including your the instance you add. So in general, I feel like email is a simplified but easy way of thinking about it um, because it kind of works similar to that for a user. So while uh, modeling can have a... Um, um her domain hosted on on her own server i might use gmail and um zach might use hotmail
2: that's so mean why is zach the hotmail user
0: (laughs) sorry zach um so that but we can all communicate with each other right even though we all sign up to different services um because we decided that that's the one we want to go with I might want to go with Gmail because I think their spam filtering is, is better. You might want to host your own thing because you think uh, you rather want to be uh, in full control and don't want to rely on a third party to do it for you. And I don't have a good reason to go with Hotmail. Brutal. <laughs> um, so, but that means if I send an email to Zach, I need to know the f- his full email address, which includes his name he selected, at and then the domain he's on so it would potentially be zach at hotmail.com um, and that's what it would be on mastodon so if marlin's account would be marlin at social, it doesn't really help that all the it, that it looks like all the uh mastodon instances are hosted on all of those goofy new uh domain names so it looks like a bit of a I don't know, alternative reality uh, web because... Yeah, it
2: doesn't really look like actual websites just because I think people are still not... I don't, I don't know, maybe the young people are. But I'm still not used to see a website that's like um, coffee.barista or um, Like It's it's a cool name, but it doesn't look like a web server. Yeah,
0: but but that kind of masks what it is, right? It is very similar to email. Yeah. It's your name... At your your instance your server whatever you want to call it um but yeah those those kind of new and top level domain with that many letters just looks weird yeah um but i think that's a that's a good way of of kind of thinking about it because you pick your instance based on what you want to where you agree with what they're doing or you just pick one of the big ones like hotmail because that's just the, the first one that showed up when you looked for yeah. email account. And on maybe Google. something
2: like Hotmail you don't have to pay for, but therefore you get um, some other downsides. Maybe they have more ads or whatever, whatever you want to set up on the instance. I think it's still too new to know how they will make revenue, but I mm. think there might be different, different models there and you decide depending on that. Oh uh, yeah, I also wanted to ask. Um, I don't know if this is the case, but I think you can also, if you start having an account on one instance, are you able to move to a different instance? Yeah, so they, the there, there
0: is a, I think they're calling it migration, but it's mostly just a redirect. Okay. So you, if you have two accounts on two different instances, um, you can uh, go into your profile settings in the one you want to move away from. And then do a redirect to your new one so everyone but that
2: at- wouldn't that wouldn't free up the account so if if I'm Marlin at uh, mastodon.social and then someone really wants that name on dot social and I'm like okay I'm have to go to dot technology uh, if I move to dot technology my uh, original Mastodon name at dot social is not going to be available for anyone
0: not else. with the migration I believe okay. uh, you can still close the account and that yeah. would free it up again but
2: then you would lose all of the then
0: then you would not yeah. have that name anymore. Yeah. Okay. But a migration is more of a redirect from one place to another. Oh, okay. Um I do think um because so many people were uh and rightfully so confused about this instant thing instance thing. Uh we have a lot of people that just sign up for Mastodon.social because that's the one uh that was that is uh run by the uh core developer of Mastodon. I do think it would be useful and beneficial for the system and for the platform to have a better migration path where you can take everything with you and move it somewhere else. Because yeah, I do I think, think so. for this to really work and work sustainably long term, you probably want to spread out people more. So I do think uh, the system is probably going to work better and uh, sustain its... um uh, R- Ruby on Rails um, uh, infrastructure longer if people spread out between different instances rather than having yeah. one with 200,000 people and another, then only a few with like a few thousand each.
2: Another reason why it would be great if you had a different migration path where you don't only rely on redirects would be if um, if I'm on an instance right now and it might just be a, like a local community um, for uh, Vancouver, and then the person who has um, who has this instance decide that they can't maintain it anymore. Um, it would be great if I could just move my whole account to a different instance because I don't want to go off Mastodon just because the instance I'm on is going away. Yeah. So it would be great if there's some different approach in that case.
0: Yeah, or even just that the instance you're on, you no longer uh, agree with their code of conduct, or you yeah. don't. Maybe their code of conduct is great, but they don't actually enforce it. Um,
2: yeah, because I think that's really a benefit uh, if you have different instances where you can uh, that have different code of conduct. Because at the moment, that's sort of one of the main problems why people want to move away from Twitter. Uh, we don't agree with the rules that Twitter have set or um, with the approach that Twitter has, and I think uh, if we don't agree with that on Twitter, it's quite hard to move away, as we see now. But if you do have different instances, you can basically abandon an instance, and if people don't agree with that, it's not gonna be an instance that continues to grow and um, in that way it's sort of like the people who are on the platform who are having more of a vote and more of a say in in how they want the platform to work
0: mm. yeah and it just also I think it helps people not to do too horrible things on the instances uh, because you don't want all your users to migrate away right if you if you host an instance you probably have an interest in having a a user base that, because otherwise why would you set up a server, right? You want to have a server to kind of host a community, uh, which probably means you, you want to keep people on your instance and making it easy to move around if need be might be uh, useful for, for kind of keeping people from not doing too many weird things on their instances.
2: You've been very quiet, Zach.
1: I don't like change. <laughs> and and Mastodon is not as simple as Twitter, so it's like using all my brain capacity.
2: <laughs> yeah, but this is a perfect exercise. It's it's like you can't you can't do that. You've been writing Objective C before, right? Would you just not go to Swift because you because you it's too much brain capacity?
1: I wasn't settled in Objective C, man. You you open a different can kind of worms here. <laughs> The thing is, like, it's a lot of work to switch entirely and then I don't think Mastodon's the place we'll all end up. So, I am not in any kind of mood to put effort in. That's my problem. So,
0: for me, it's... I mean, I, I did get a lot of value out of Twitter. I mean, I've been on Twitter for probably 10 years or something uh, and f- that for a reason. It's just now for the last, I don't know, couple of years, there have been so many things that go against what I want to use that platform for, that even if it just scares Twitter or makes them uncomfortable that there are now, I think, almost 2 million people that that move to a different thing or at least try a different thing, maybe if, even if that's just enough for them to kind of course correct and figure out some way of maintaining third-party uh, apps, even that alone would be worth it. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm f- all in for now and either people all start using Mastodon and stick there and, and it all works out, then that's fine. Or Twitter will figure out how to how to keep all the users on, on their platform by making some, some type of change or rather not making changes to the to core things that we want to use it for. Um, or that just shows that there is a willingness to people for moving on and we have some some great thing that's not Mastodon, that we can all agree on going to, and all be happy there. For me, it's more about um, showing with my 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 eyeballs and my feet and my wallet uh, that I not uh, that I do not agree with what Twitter is doing, um, and that for me is I don't know that for me is kind of exciting and worth it for now uh i but i also agree with you i I don't know if this is the one where we all end up and i don't
2: yeah but i don't think that really matters like like you say Kai, it's sort of more about the fact that we're doing something and i think um it's as soon as you started moving away from something it will be a lot easier it's like um if you don't exercise much but you really like um just staying at home um and, and you're not living a very healthy lifestyle um it might be good just to start going for a daily run, even if running might not be your end the the end activity you will do to keep yourself healthy. Maybe in the end you will find a different sport that you really like, or you will find swimming that to be really enjoyable. The fact that you already changed the way that you're behaving to try new things uh, is going to make it a lot easier to change and try the next new thing. And I think the fact that you're, if it's the same with Twitter, if you're not um, settled in and like too comfortable. Um, I think you already know the process of moving to a different platform, and um, it will be a lot easier to do it the second time um, to to end up at the platform that you want to stay on.
0: Mm. And I'm also I I I kind of like the idea of there now being. Um, I mean, it it was hard for new third party apps to go into Twitter because Twitter was very clear for a long time now that they do not. I mean, they kind of did in secret. Uh, uh, kind of gave certain apps to increase their user limit because there was this announcement that there is a user token limit, right? And certain apps were then uh, excluded from that limit, uh, but not publicly. There was no no announcement that there is no longer a token limit, which definitely discouraged. And I think for new apps, that would probably have still applied, but it, that definitely discouraged new apps to go into that platform. And that kind of made that platform stagnate, it stagnated at a good point at a point where I think most of us were quite happy with it, but I'm quite excited now to see how many people are figuring out how Mastodon works and are excited to start third party applications because um that we didn't see a lot anymore on on Twitter for those reasons, and now of course things like the apis being being uh uh, deprecated and then removed um, means we we lose a lot of features that we still have on Mastodon, such as a streaming API and and uh, instantly getting notifications for likes and and um, retweets or boosts and those kind of things. Um, and I think that's exciting just because they're like I don't know. I think Zach, you're also in the Toot beta. It's definitely quite a um, different experience to 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 tweetbot it is very very interesting full of playful animations and non-native interactions and i'm not necessarily agreeing with all of them but i find it quite fun to to see what they're doing and they're doing a lot of interesting things where you can swipe between your different screens and there's kind of this this wheel in, in your bottom right where you use your thumb to to switch between. And it's not an interaction that is native iOS. Yeah. I, I don't think even know is... if it's necessarily a, a great interaction, but I'm I'm just excited to see um, new things being tried because it's a platform where that is encouraged and where people want to go in and, and play and try things out.
2: Yeah, I think the wheel that you mentioned is for swip- swiping between different instances. So if you're interested in like different pop culture groups, you might want to ha- actually have a focus on those different instances. Um, so I think that is uh, quite good. And it's something that this new platform has enabled just because, um, there are different, as uh, again, there are different ways of using the platform, which is good and bad. Uh, and this app has sort of utilized that and tried to encourage people to, add different instances and also show how they like also give a playful um ux for you to be able to actually change between the instances but also
0: like small things like if you're just for fun you should try that um follow someone uh on mastodon in the toot app and then unfollow them they unfollow animation is their avatar as a small kind of ghost-like mm. uh, uh thing that kind of floats up from the from the home tab in the tab bar it's just the same. So this, this was of, in
2: the in the toot app? Yeah, the toot exclamation but, mark. I uh, don't think beta. this one is publicly available. How would people get a hold of that?
0: I think uh the developer, I think his name is Toot. What? Toot at mastodon.social, if I'm not mistaken.
2: I'm not sure. Let me check.
0: Um Yeah, but he he currently has his um uh, they invite to or has a sign up page to sign up for the beta uh, open and there are a lot of those kind of things. If you follow someone it's kind of this this kind of coin thing that kind of spins spins around uh, there are just so many playful small animations, and you wouldn't have that you wouldn't put that much effort into something like a Twitter client at the moment just because you know you can actually grow to to a place where where it's then uh, potentially making that investment back just because of those kind of silly things like the token limit. Uh, it is Toot app on Mastodon.social.
1: Yeah, I was just playing around with that unfollow animation. It's kind of
2: cool. I think, I think there are a lot of animations going on in this app and there are many cutesy animations that I... I appreciate, but I feel like um, at the moment it's it seems to be more of an experimental phase. I think he is trying out different type of animations and different uh, different ways of interacting with the UI and um, different user experiences. And I think even I don't think everything will necessarily stick. But I think, as Kai said, it's nice to see that someone sort of dares to try those things um, because there are um, because it is a new platform. You can get um, you can um, play around with it and you can uh, also provide different apps for people depending on what the people like and you don't have the token limit so um, just being able to create apps without worrying about the limitations of that um, could be very uh, could encourage people to make something
0: If we had a period in our in our industry right um, where a lot of people's first app uh, was a twitter client or a twitter like client because twitter had a pre. Pretty well documented API. It was something where that was really easy to get started because all you needed was call the API, uh, and then you get a whole bunch, an array of tweets back, and you just populate a table view. It's really easy to get started, um, and then something that you might want to maintain over time or polish or or experiment and adding new things. I think in general, this type of app is a really really good uh, way of getting started with development or. And then also has the potential of being something that you can really polish and make really nice. Mm. And I think that, and I kind of get that feeling now on on uh, on Mastodon. I mean, the two dev is by uh, uh, definitely not someone's first app. It's or if so, it would be incredibly impressive because there are a lot of very complicated and nicer animations in there. Um, but it's just I, I kind of like to have something that is so accessible and so open and so. Easy to, to hook into if you just want to play with something. I, I kind of got, I, I briefly thought maybe I should do, uh, get into AppKit and learn some AppKit with, and make like a Mac Mastodon client just because the API looks nice. It seems to be quite straightforward to implement. I wanted to look into AppKit for a while. Uh, I was just excited about that. And I think that's, that's nice. And I don't think I'd be the only one that if Mastodon would become kind of the thing where that a lot of people use for, for kind of social networking I, I would be excited about people experimenting there and, and trying that and I mean that wouldn't be to Mastodon and uh, exclusively to for Mastodon but any kind of platform that encourages third-party developers to, to consume and use their API in any way
2: yeah yeah um I also want to mention uh Tuton as a nice app as well for iOS. Uh, I feel like that one is uh a bit more straightforward uh than Toot. Uh Toot exclamation point. Um so yeah, Tuton is quite similar to like a more traditional Twitter feed. Um and I think that's quite nice if you if you want to have something for that. Um I do miss to have um a good app that's both on iOS and Android. So I think that's something that would be great to see. Uh, I am surprised, Kai, that you mentioned that you would, uh, potentially look into learning AppKit because I think considering that Apple announced something like, um, they were, they were teasing at something like Marzipan, um, or Project Sneak Peek earlier this year, I would think, um, it might be good holding off to making a native Mac app just because this might be the perfect opportunity to try something like that
0: yeah yeah it is that too um i just i i felt personally that i i wanted to have a look at uh appkit for a while, and I think it's something where I can spend like a a weekend or so just to get something on the screen that uh that shows the timeline and I might not complete it, but it's just uh something that got me interested enough and something where I feel like it's it's easy enough to get into and something it's definitely encouraged to have to consume the API that I was like, potentially this could be something to, to play around with
2: so just to get back to mastodon i think we uh, we mentioned that uh, i think we've been talking a lot about it now and i think uh, we have to mention again that this is a pre-recorded episode that re- is recorded probably almost 2 weeks before we're releasing it or one and a half weeks uh, so a lot of things can change and uh, maybe we we'll end up not using mastodon but i think it's still important to just uh, try different op- different options and just try to Work on that migration of uh, of stopping to use Twitter and just get into the habit of like trying different things. And even if Mastodon is not what's working out, I think it will be easier uh, once people started moving to just move over to a different platform. And I'm hoping to see more and more people trying to trying to find an alternative.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to look at it.
0: I I think at the moment I can still see myself using Twitter to to read as long as third party apps at least still have access to the timeline. Um, But I think if we would get to a situation where third-party apps are fully cut off from the API, I think I would no longer get the value out of Twitter that I do get out of Twitter at the moment. Like the the non-chronological timeline doesn't provide me with what I'm after.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to use it as a brand engagement platform.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's apparently what they want from you. I tweeted at my carrier yesterday. <laughs> really? Great. Didn't get a response. Well, I got a response, but it was useless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you use uh, Twitter if you would be forced to use the the
0: Twitter apps and the uh, algorithmic timeline?
1: No, I would uh, hibernate from social networks.
0: I I actually think that's not a terrible idea either.
2: <laughs> that's an existential crisis, yep. actually. <laughs> what are you going to think about all day? You're going to have to find something else to occupy your brain with and it's going to get dark.
1: I might be more productive. Imagine that. Yeah, we don't want that.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who knows what comes out of that otherwise.
1: For now, t still working okay. So I thought we could talk a bit about our podcast listening habits. Um, I mean, I think podcasts play a slightly different role in everyone's life i mean people listen to podcasts for different reasons they listen to different types of shows they listen different locations Uh, and i thought it might be interesting to sort of touch on what role podcasts play in our life kind of the 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 shows we're listening to when we're listening to them and yeah maybe even where uh, and just sort of give some insight into that i think we often speak about the shows we like the shared shows that we listen Mm -hmm. to but maybe not so much about the the shows we listen to where the other, others don't listen to. So it could be interesting to touch on that.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's interesting. And like you say, we always, I, I always really enjoy the conversations we have when we just talk about the podcast that we've been listening to. I think especially like you and Isaac, we often talk about, um, Cortex or Hello Internet. Um, yeah. Yep. And I think those are like two really good podcasts. And I think, uh, they're always very, um, relaxed in their topics and i feel like there are always a lot of things that they touch on that i've been thinking about or just things that i want to like discuss further so those are topics those are podcasts that as soon as they come out i really want to listen to it um and yeah i think i think those are two of my favorite podcasts that are not very specific on a topic but then i also have been trying to or i have been starting to pick up some more um some more new podcasts lately uh and one that's more, that's very specific, uh, is one called "The Good Place" the podcast.
0: Oh man, that's so good! It's
2: amazing. Um, but in order to actually listen to this podcast, you should definitely watch the TV show first. So um, the good, the good place is a po- <laughs> the good place is originally a, a TV show. Um, it's a comedy. Uh, it's running at the moment. I think they just they're gonna release the third season uh, next month. Um, but the first and the second season are still available on Netflix, so I think that's probably going to be one of your future homeworks, actors, to watch the seasons because it's such an amazing show. I know you're not watching (laughs) many TV shows, but this is such a good show. Okay. And it feels a bit underappreciated. I don't hear of many people watching it, uh, but that might also be because it's a a show that you really don't want to spoil and you really don't want to talk about the show itself. Um... But the yeah the podcast itself is it's not better than the show but it's it's to the same level as the show. So basically, what they do is that they always uh, get they usually get at least one actor of each episode um, and one of the writers of the episode. And in each episode of the podcast, they talk about an episode of the of the TV show. Uh, and they basically go through like the whole background story behind it and um, everything from like set design to like uh, bloopers to like how they found a specific actor or an actress for a character. And I think this is just a really interesting insight and it sort of makes me want to be a comedy writer, even though I know I would have no success in that career uh, career path. But I think it seems like such a, such a great uh, environment to work in. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite one right now.
0: Yeah, it's, it's to a point, when Modern, uh found a podcast and started listening to it, she was talking about it every day when she ke- came home. She was like, oh, you know what I just heard on The the Good Place, the podcast? They were talking about this episode and this is how, how the actors uh, improvised the scene. And I was like, okay, good, Moden, good for you. Um, but at, I think after two weeks, you finally had me convinced to to listen to it. And I I got through, I don't know, six or seven episodes in the first day and I couldn't stop listening until I caught up. Now it's now for me, whenever I see there's a new The Good Place to Podcast episode out, I listen to that first before anything else. Even if there's an ATP coming out same day, I now have The Good Place to Podcast as the first thing I listen to, which, which I, I didn't think would happen because it doesn't sound as exciting to have a podcast about a tv show that's yep. not running at the moment but will start again soon yep. where they talk about old episodes i've already seen but it's it, it is it is incredibly funny uh well i i think it's kind of also well paced it's yep. like a good kind of intersection and they kind of go into a kind of main topic where to talk about it and then kind of wrapping it up quite nicely and yep. it's it is it is really really interesting
2: Yeah, and I think, um, like you said, it's, it's really funny, but at the same time, it's not just like a, like a comedy podcast. You also get the insight into how it is to actually direct or act or write a comedy show. And I think just getting that insight to as well is, is quite, um, quite interesting. Um, because I do see, like, the lifestyle that some of the writers have seem very similar to, a developer's lifestyle, to some extent, and the fact that they have those... I think it's quite a... They don't have that many deadlines, but they definitely do have a certain pace and they have to finish things. I mean, they have quite
0: strict deadlines, right? If they they film a new episode next week, they kind of have to have everything done by that.
2: But they don't... It's not like like a Saturday night live show. They still have... They film before the season airs, uh, and I think that's quite different. I think many other shows uh, film while they are still airing, um, so of course they have set deadlines, uh, but it's not like they're going to release them. I know some shows like uh, apparently South Park is writing and creating an episode per week um, on a weekly basis and they're not pr- uh, doing anything beforehand, uh, before the season starts airing. And I think that would be really stressful, but I think this is more similar to a software developer's sort of deadline and way of working. Um, so it's quite interesting to hear that from a comedy perspective.
0: And it's also interesting. They have a lot of the kind of issues and overcame those issues that we also have in our industry. So there was, they're talking about how, how traditionally it's often that the writers have this kind of authority. Of writing the lines and then expecting the actors to say the lines exactly the way they were written. And then they're a bit more open, open about that and encourage the actors to kind of uh, improvise and kind of change lines just to see if it, if it's funny or not. Kind of make sure that they got, got one shot with how it was intended, but then, then kind of try some other things and often selecting one of the kind of, other things as the thing they actually that actually makes it into a show and kind of encouraging this behavior that everyone is everyone that's on set and everyone that's involved should have an opinion of of um, or, sh- or could have a good idea of what's funny and what would work and I think we sometimes have that in our industry where it's uh where where there's this kind of strict separation of This is a developer task, this is a design task, but I think you create a better product if you collaborate and work together on something. Sure, some people have a stronger background and have a higher rate of uh, creating something that is is just right, but doesn't mean you should exclude everyone else from, from those discussions and from that kind of process. And I think that's interesting to see quite so different industries such as software development and tech compared to Hollywood comedy writing, you wouldn't think that they kind of have similar similar issues and a similar uh, kind of, um, uh, t- what do you call that? Like a similar like, um, process specia- of...
2: Special- specialization?
0: No, no, but a similar kind of uh, path where they went from from having this kind of, everyone does exactly what they're told to do to everyone kind of working together collaboratively.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. That's something you, you start to see more and more in the tech, um, tech industry. And I think it's great to actually just see, um, how there is a similarity there. And I think that's how you work best together as a team. I know that like there's definitely good to have people who are specialized on certain, certain tasks or on certain areas or just, um, have more knowledge in those areas. But I think if you're, if you're a comedian or if you're, if you're an actress or an actor, I think you probably, also have a sense of humor. And I think it's the same as app development. If I'm an iOS developer, uh, I think uh, I also have a sense of understanding of uh, how to design something or how something should look on the iOS platform, even though I might not be able to do the wireframes. uh, In the same way, um, an actor might not be able to just sit down and write a manuscript or um, decide exactly what uh, set of clothes everyone in the uh, whose acting should have. But I think there are still valid opinions um, that an actor can say to um, to the writers and there are also valid opinions that a developer can say to the designer or a QA person can express to a developer. And I think you just get such a good product if you have that work environment and they seem to all be very happy to come to work and to work together. And it's great to great to hear that from that industry.
0: Interesting how we drifted uh, from... Uh, this podcast recommendation to uh, Ways of Working, I think it almost sounds like we should make that uh, a topic of a future episode of Ways of Working in general and, and kind of what we, what we think about that. Anyway, I, I do think this is, this is a really, really good podcast. And it's, it's really interesting to have, uh, to have those kind of different approaches to similar problems. Kind of helps you think about your problems from a different perspective as well. Yep. Because they solved their issues in a slightly different way and from a different mindset from a different perspective which which then helps you uh, to also be more creative in how you deal with the issues that you see day to day so I, I, I really really enjoyed.
2: it yeah and I think this is <laughs> to get back to podcasts. I think this is actually one of my focus at the moment with podcasts I feel like I have been listening a lot to Uh, tech podcast which i think uh, is great and i think there are a lot of really good tech podcasts and development podcasts too but i think at the moment i'm interested in getting to know different areas um and i also want to get an insight in how other um other people see the world and how other people are um, doing their work. And I think uh, I'm trying to sort of spread a bit more and find those type of podcasts. Um, and I think eventually I might also, at the moment I have so many podcasts to listen to, but I might also eventually sp- um, move this to things like audiobooks to read something more, uh, to listen to something more in a long form. Um, but I think that's definitely the sort of situation I'm in now with my podcast list that I'm trying to find like, a bit bit different things. And I think, Zach, you also mentioned that you you have been trying some new podcasts like um, Hurry Slowly, for example. I think that's another example where it's not directly tech-focused, but it's still something that you can learn a lot from, even if it's not the exact area.
1: Exactly, yeah. And I think a a show like Hurry Slowly in particular is an interesting one because a lot of the shows that we tend to listen to, uh, mainly in the tech scene, are topical and often, uh, you know, sort of relevant to things... Like, they're talking about things that are going on and you wouldn't really want to listen to a tech news show six months down the line. But Hurry Slowly is an example of, I guess, a fairly timeless show where you can listen almost any time and listen out of order and it's not sort of something that you need to listen to strictly in order and at a certain time of the week. And I think that makes it quite nice to listen to when you've just got a spare moment. I mean, I know I'm still slowly getting through the first season and I I kind of feel like there's no rush. And that's quite nice compared to uh, a lot of shows which are weekly and you, you feel like you have to finish one before you can move on to next week's episode. And there's almost a bit of pressure sometimes when listening to other types of shows. But a show like Hurry Slowly is a nice one to have in your subscription list where you don't feel that pressure. What type of shows are you both listening to, particularly when you add a new show? I know I I got into podcasts through sort of the weekly tech show, you know, talking about the news and whatever, but it's been quite a while since I've added one of those types of shows to my rotation, and now it's seemingly more shows where I have an interest in the host somewhat, uh, where they're talking. It doesn't have to be about a specific topic. It could be a, a more general show, but I think... Shows where the hosts or hosts get along uh, quite well in a, in a fairly unique way, uh, and I'm sort of trending towards those types of shows a little bit more than um, I guess the traditional tech weekly.
2: Yeah, I type of shows. I, I definitely agree that I think I had more of a focus on like yeah, being more listening more to specific topics. I think I, one of my early podcasts I started listening to was uh, MacBreak Weekly, and that one is very topical and it's something you want to follow up and you want to listen to it when it's first released um but then i think the second podcast i started listening to was uh, back to work and that one is very much just focused on the people who are in the podcast i think Uh, it was it is also definitely having a theme but i think um I i think i got that was the first podcast i was sort of stuck on because of the people in it um and i think but for a while there, apart from that podcast, I was very focused on having specific topics that I was interested in. Um, but like I said, like something like Cortex and Hello Internet, I think I really enjoy because I do really like the way, uh, like the dynamic of the, of the people in the podcast and just really like how they, how the two hosts get along. Um, and just the sort of, it's not like, it's, it's a bit like, on this level that there are a lot of inside jokes and there are sort of like different sections that you come back to. For example, something like Halloween Internet has um like a paper cat corner and a plane crash corner. And I really like those sort of uh, segments that come in on a casual base uh, where you just really see the character, the, the people who write uh, the people who are uh, on the podcast, uh, just expressing, expressing their personalities. And I think those are some that I really enjoy. And those are the ones that sort of make me, because they usually talk more about like, their general life, I guess. And I think that really makes me sort of reflect on the world around me rather than listening to it just because I want to learn something new. Um, And there are definitely podcasts like more Swift Focus podcasts that I listen to because I'm interested in learning about a specific thing. Um, But I think, um, yeah, I I do really, really like the ones uh, that have particular people who I just see, who I just think bounded well together.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned Cortex there, and I think Hello Internet usually falls into a very similar category. I mean, they've both got CGP Grey on there. Uh, you mentioned the, the inside jokes and things like that, and I, I think that's it's really nice if you've been listening from the beginning, but it can be hard to get into the show a bit later on, and I think that yeah. uh, greatly increases the barrier to entry. So I know Cortex I've been listening to since the beginning, uh, Hello Internet Not quite the beginning, but almost the beginning. So there were shows I was able to catch on to quite quickly. But then I sort of think of a show like ATP, which is somewhere in the middle. I mean, yes, it is weekly and tech newsy, but they also have... I think the dynamic between the hosts there is on par with a show like Hello Internet or Cortex. And that also means that their level of inside jokes and even recurring segments to an extent... Is very insighty. Um, so i I think I didn't listen to probably at least the first fifty episodes of ATP, and I found it very difficult to get started. Uh, I almost gave up. It was just, it was something that came so highly recommended that I I stuck with it a bit, but the format of the show was something that threw me off and also just the constant references to past episodes. And it's like, Hey, I've just started listening. I really don't get what's going on here. Um, And I think it was only probably three or four episodes in where I started understanding when they were referencing previous episodes that it started to make sense and it stuck and I stuck with it. And I'm very glad I did because now it's probably one of my favorite shows. Uh, but I guess there is always that trade-off there if you haven't listened or for somebody who hasn't listened to a show from the beginning to pick up, to be able to easily pick up on what the hosts are talking about, particularly if, it, if it's a little bit inside baseball. Yeah. But I think overall it does create a better show if there's something that, uh, something that you can relate to.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do agree that it can make it hard for new people to start listening to a show. And uh, I think something like Hello Internet, I think I came in to start, I started listening to relatively late. And what I did was to just actually go back to the first episode after I realized it was a show I want to listen to. And I just listened to everything from the beginning. Uh, but it's, it's very time consuming to do something like that. Um, but I think, I, I think actually like, it's still out. I think you get a lot of benefits of having those type of inside jokes. And I think it really, really adds, like, it feels like you as an audience are a lot closer to the, uh, to the people speaking in the podcast. So I think overall it's beneficial to have that type of dynamic. Um, and I think certain things are so iconic for a podcast. So you can even Google it sometimes. Uh, I think there are some podcasts where I haven't. Haven't remembered what a reference was and I end up Googling for it. And then I can find on the internet what specific episode of that podcast that was introduced in. Uh, And that can be quite helpful if you want to get into a podcast. It would be quite cool if you have like a, if podcasts would create some type of like wiki of like reoccurring things, which would definitely be a lot of work, but it would be cool to have something like that for those type of shows. Uh, Or maybe have a clip episode um, like you used to have in old 90s sitcoms. You could do something like that for your audience, but I think it's definitely going to be a lot of work for the people creating the podcast. So um, I don't know. I think my recommendation to people who want to get into the podcast that we have mentioned that are more um, like um, more people-based, I think it's just really good to just go back and listen from the beginning. I know it's, it's time-consuming, but you will also gain a lot of happiness and value out of listening to those podcasts.
1: Definitely. And they're the type of shows that, can almost be enjoyed like a TV series at any time. And, you know, you can sort of, if you are going to go back from the beginning, then it can be quite an enjoyable experience to go on that, to start that journey with the hosts and then uh, continue on it with them. Um, one of the shows I'm listening to at the moment, and I think I've mentioned it to, to both of you in the past, is called Blink 155. And look, it's the stupidest podcast ever. But um, one of the reasons... I'm sticking with it is the dynamic between the host and just the whole, like, something I started listening to at the beginning and being able to follow that journey. So just a bit of context, it's a show about uh, Blink-182, the band. Uh, so that Blink-182 have 155 songs, or at least they did when this show started. And so the hosts are spending uh, a single episode, uh, about an hour and a half each in length uh, on every Blink-182 song. And it sounds unbelievably stupid Uh, and it is it absolutely is but I think the hosts there have a good dynamic and are able to talk about things in a comedic way and they have recurring themes where um, you know sort of makes you interested in seeing oh what are they going to say about this particular aspect of this particular song or how are they going to you know swing something this week and I think that is one in particular where the content matters A lot less than the people Who are saying what they're saying are, And I think it's another Example of of something that um, In a way it's It's fairly timeless and You do definitely benefit from Listening uh, from episode Zero or one or wherever they started uh, All the way through till now To sort of pick up on those things and and Understand why uh, certain Discussions are had and why things are said the way They are now you know some 60 Episodes later or however far into it they are so I think that it's very different to uh, a lot of the, the early shows that people listen to when they start getting into podcasts. But it, I think there is definitely something to be gained there from those shows that you can listen to, uh, to from episode one uh, all the way through.
2: How did you start out listening to podcasts, Zach?
1: Um, so the first podcast I started listening to was the iMore I'm show with Renee Ritchie. And I... At that point, I barely knew what a podcast was, and I I liked iMore, the website, for, for getting tech news, and I had their app installed, and they had a podcast tab in the app, and so that's how I was listening to... Sh- I barely knew what it was, uh, what a podcast was. Uh, I definitely didn't know, you know, I didn't think to, to install a dedicated podcast player or anything on my, on my phone, uh, but I was just... I, w- I would have been in high school uh, playing around with this app and came across some audio content which i actually quite enjoyed um yes that's that's how it began how about you
0: so back in 2006 i believe um i was kind of i was for a long time i was mostly a windows user um so then in about uh 2005 or 2006 uh my sister got an ipod And she barely used it, but I always wanted to, to play with it and try it. Um, but she wouldn't let me because it was kind of an expensive thing. And I got annoyed that she's not using it despite it being such an interesting tech tech product to play with. Um, so then, uh, one day I helped my my sister move. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell this story. Um... And I saw that the the iPod was in in some box somewhere and it was full of dust and hasn't been used in forever. So I was like, oh, I just I just borrow it for a while. Um, so I started using uh, uh, the the iPod. Mm, and I thought it was was kind of an interesting thing. And I saw that you could use uh, uh, podcasts on that. And there's a German podcast called uh, Bits and So, and there there's. It it was kind of I was always into tech and it was an interesting kind of tech focused podcast. But all the hosts actually uh, used Macs and were kind of very very Mac focused. Uh, and that that podcast actually got me into warming up to potentially also getting a Mac. So I started with the uh, stolen, borrowed iPad from my sister uh, iPod from my sister to listen to bits and so, which then uh convinced me over time because those people all seemed quite knowledgeable and interesting and they use Macs so i f- I figured I can probably also use a Mac
2: I thought it would have been the the fact that you were using an iPod that want made you want to go for I mean more Apple I think products. it
0: was a combination of those things that to kind of liking the iPod and and I mean the iPod was by far the best podcast player because I, I, it wasn't my iPod. I, I kind of switched between, like one of those. Uh, I think I had like a SanDisk iPad, uh, iPod type clone MP3 okay, player. MP3 player. Yep. Yeah, but it was it was nothing like an iPod. Like the user interface was just not the same. And I installed some was weird it
2: like one of those uh, one of those MP3 players where you had like a screen where you could see the title of the song and you had to like push through just in one no, direction. No, no, it,
0: it was it was more of an iPod clone. So it had kind of this click wheel type thing, like a, okay. a spinny thing to get through lists, um, and because I was young and, and stupid and sold some kind of custom firmware on it, kind of some open source uh, MP3 player operating system and used that. Um, and I kind of had to to switch between that and the iPod because, I mean, technically that, that iPod was my sister's. Um, but that I think the combination of kind of kinda using the iPod and kind of liking it, especially for podcasts and listening to bits and so, the German podcasts were of those people that are kinda of into into Macs. I think that then finally woke me up to to wanting to buy a, a MacBook. I think. So podcast actually got me into You're
2: saying that podcasts save your life.
0: <laughs> in a way I do, yes. Um yeah, but that was kinda uh that was kind of my start into into podcasts. I mean there were not as many podcasts in in uh Germany, but I felt like there were quite a Um, strong focused on the kind of podcast that i'm still listening to basically a whole bunch of people like usually uh anything between two and five uh quite frequent hosts that would uh talk for for a few hours german podcasts tend to be quite long um for a few few hours and just talk about tech topics and i i i kind of like that it was it was nice because i mean i had some a friend some friends that were semi-interested in tech but no one was as excited about it as me so most people didn't uh they didn't want to sustain a tech discussion for for the few hours that i wanted to and podcast was a nice way of kind of still getting that that fix especially after after like an apple event it was quite nice to have have something uh to listen to where people discuss the announcements for hours um, and I, and that was kind of kind of it and then when we mo- when I moved to Sweden and then later Australia and kind of got more more comfortable with the English language that's when I started listening to some of the English shows and to some extent there were similar kind of mac focused shows like mac Break and and then um, Build and analyze and hypercritical um, but now it's also more of a I try to have a bit more variety, like the Good Place podcast. I really enjoy Jelly's new ch- new show. or It's not really that new anymore, but uh, Independence, uh, I, I really enjoy that. Um, uh, I started listening recently to a podcast called Vancouver is Awesome, um, uh, which is obviously only very focused on, on Vancouver and kind of what's happening here. But yeah, I think
2: it's focused on all of the negative aspects of Vancouver, <laughs> right?
0: uh we're hilarious today <laughs> it's, i really see why you want to become a comedy writer I think. thank you thank you <laughs> uh, you know after
2: this they will snap me right up
0: yeah <laughs> uh but not for comedy writing <laughs> <laughs> um but i i i mean that that is kind of good because it's it's when when we move to a new country in a new city it's kind of nice to to have uh there are a lot of very city specific jokes and very sp- city specific phrases that are that you usually have to pick up over over months or years until you really understand what locals talk about when they when they when they talk about specific places by their nicknames or specific occurrences like that famous crow in in on in Vancouver and listening to a podcast that was very local kind of helps you help me at least to to get to that point where I feel more like uh, I understand what some locals talk about quicker, so that's kinda nice, but it's very uh very very much shifts with where I am in my life and kinda what their circumstances are. I might not listen to every episode either it's kinda i look at what topic it is and whether it might be something I c- could find interesting or not
2: yeah i if if you if you happen to know a bit of German zach um I would strongly recommend you trying German podcasts. Uh, this is based, This is one of the. It's it's a very appealing way, appealing reason to learn German. I think uh, I don't understand German, but I always hear all of the podcasts guys listening to, and it seems like they are so good hosts, such a good dynamic, and all of them are really well edited. Like there's one called uh, F- "Freak Show," which basically has um this like it's like a circus intro and they put so much effort in the intro and the different sections and different segments. So, um, yeah, if you know, if anyone knows German, uh, you should listen to a German podcast.
0: And if anyone didn't like our, uh, one of our recent episodes, that was over two hours. I think that is probably about the average length for a German podcast. I just had a look at the latest freak show episode and that one was four hours and 40 minutes oh (laughs) yeah and i mean that's why germans like chapter marks so much right (laughs) i mean uh four four and a half hours and they do that in one one sitting one recording um i think that's why why germans are so so loud about any podcast player that doesn't have good chapter support because uh some people just want to uh save a few hours in their (laughs) five-hour podcast
2: Imagine if a German want to book the podcast studio during WWDC, they're getting through like 25% of their episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you just have to have at least four co-hosts to book them all four hours in a row.
1: I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, um, you know, a sort of podcast was your way to uh, essentially have a discussion about a topic that you couldn't. Really speak to people in your day to day life about. And I find, found it very much the same thing where, you know, tech was something that I couldn't really talk to too many people about for, for too long before they got bored or whatever. But <laughs> podcast was a way to, oh, suddenly here's, you know, 10 hours a week of, of people in my ears like talking about a topic I'm interested in. And I thought it was a really good way. And that applies to. I guess Twitter too you know, having those discussions with people that you're not necessarily in contact with on a day to day basis um, and I think I guess that's why podcasts about niche topics are quite popular as well um, and I know it's not all all like that there are some definitely some mainstream podcasts like serial that have taken off, but I think yeah that in particular that is why a, a podcast about technology or, or another niche topic um, you know might might actually interest a lot of people because it's a way for them to Get information about a topic they're interested in, and feel you almost feel like you're part of a discussion when you're listening to yeah. uh, a podcast. And I know Marlon, you mentioned earlier for a show like Cortex, you feel like you you have somewhat of a connection to the hosts because they're talking about these things that interest you, and they're sort of you know you're finding out little tidbits about their lives and things like that. So I think it is a very uh, it's a more intimate medium than reading somebody's tweets or reading an article on a website. Uh, And you do feel like there is a bit of a connection with the hosts and that you can relate to what they're saying. And so it it is quite an interesting uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Marlon? How did you get into podcasts? Um,
2: Yeah. So I wanted Kai to explain why he got in, how he got into podcasts first, because um, I pretty much got into it because I was recommended to start listening to podcasts by Kai. Uh, So when we First, met, um I knew that he was listening to a lot of things in German, and I had no idea why he was listening to those <laughs> audio clips of random people. Uh, As so I didn't like it, I didn't actually know what a podcast was. I was like, wait, so people just like record things and you're listening to the show? And it's like, yeah, it's amazing. You should also listen. And then I was, um I also wanted to find some podcasts. Um, what was that? S- when? Mm-hmm. Probably like 2000. And- 11 or something 2010 so it was a while ago um and i was also not very good at english um but i wanted to practice my english as well and i wanted to um also try out this new cool apparently not very new turns out um i wanted to try out podcasts basically and listening to podcasts and um that's how i started uh listening to something like mac break weekly Uh, i think i also started listening to the tech it's called the tech guy it's also by Twit. Um, I think it's called The Tech Guy. Yeah, that yeah? sounds familiar. Um, I think I So that, that one is a yeah. bit more. i It's not on as detailed topics. And I think that one was actually quite good for me because uh, it wasn't a panel discussion. It was one person and I think another person. I think it was Leo Laporte. And someone was calling in. And the good thing with this is that it was quite an easy conversation to follow in English. Uh, while something like a panel discussion can be a little bit difficult, especially um when when you don't really know all the people it's quite hard to know like who says what and uh yeah it's it's a little bit more um hard to get into if english is your second language um but yeah that's pretty much how i started it sort of was this like thing where i had no idea what it was till, uh, and then it moved to me being very interested in it and i tried to basically listen to i basically stopped listening to music i only started listening to podcasts um so I got quickly into it and I really saw, eh, uh, like it was very, in- like very exciting to hear p- different podcasts. And I also learned something like the English language at the same time. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, back then I listened to a lot of five by five shows. I think I wasn't as much. I wasn't as, um, I didn't use Twitter as much. And I also didn't use, um, a podcast player that allowed me to browse different podcasts i think that limited me in like exploring different podcasts i think most of the starter podcasts i got from kai and then i started out uh, just looking what other shows there were on five by five um and then i listened to things like uh, the talk show um hypercritical um and this was before i was a developer i also listened to uh, build and analyze i didn't understand a lot of the parts especially considering that i didn't know the language very well but for some reason really stuck with it and i um yeah i i kept on kept on listening and i learned more and more things but back I think, then
0: we, we we were always annoyed when there was an episode where where they talked about development too much
2: yeah but i really want to go back now i think i want to like uh like some like I want to do with some TV shows, I want to go back and listen to some podcasts that I just didn't understand back then.
1: Where do you stand on the whole highly produced show versus casual chat between a few mates? Um, I really, really struggle to listen to overly produced podcasts. Um, I've Listened to a few in the past and have had to unsubscribe. And I'm not saying that they're not good. They're actually some really great shows. But I just really struggled to get that sort of connection with the host that you get when it's more casual um, you know you can tell that every word is carefully thought out carefully planned so highly edited that it just sort of took all the fun out of podcasts when I when I tried a few of those shows uh, and now I much prefer just you know a casual chat between a few friends and, and I know that some people don't like that because it's less formal and it feels less proper and they might they might be a little bit underprepared but I I think I enjoy that a lot more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Where do you stand? For me, it's it's similar. There are very few
0: um, produced, like well-produced, as in each episode was part of a series that was planned for months type shows. Um, Welcome to Macintosh was an exception. I really enjoyed uh, the first season or two. I don't remember how many there are. Um, I I really enjoyed that, but that was because I was very invested in the topic. Um, otherwise, I I kind of I don't know. I I also prefer the kind of um, casual, more casual. Doesn't necessarily need to be casual and not prepared, but I do like the kind of things that are more naturally flowing because then you have a lot more um, uh, comedic value in the moment where people just having fun together. They they make jokes. About about something that just happened or someone pronounces a word incorrectly and even that is funny it is like sometimes uh when i used to listen to to podcasts in in a bus or in, in a train it was some things that i was laughing out loud uh which was kind of odd but i i you don't really have that as much from from those kind of more serious and scripted shows at least i haven't found any maybe there are amazing ones that i'm that I just haven't listened to, but so far the ones that seem to have been very popular had usually had very serious topics, and I feel like I already have enough serious topics in my life that I I enjoy having podcasts to be a bit more um about either topics I care like as in things that I I really care about and are more pleasure for me to listen to or things that are just kind of more uh, lighthearted, funny, interesting.
2: Yeah, I think I pretty much stand on the same side as you guys. I think I started listening. I used to listen a lot to things like This American Life and uh, what else? That one. I think I started listening to Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Was a podcast that I've been recommended many times, and I really wanted to listen more to it. But I think um when I started listening to it, I noticed there were a lot of similarities to This American Life in that they, uh, it's like they there are people who go out and interview other people and I think it is interesting but they are not as spontaneous as (laughs) other podcasts Um, so yeah I thought it was very um, it's sort of hard to get stuck in like it's nothing I like crave on a weekly basis. I guess it's more like oh this sounds like an interesting topic I will listen to that Uh, so I would say that overall I probably don't listen that much to like typically edited podcasts that are more like scripted but I think then there are other podcasts that don't seem edited at all. That seem to like seem to be podcasts where people are just having a random conversation and just having fun with each other. Um, I think one of those podcasts is um, "You Look Nice Today." I think they had a lot of editing done, um, so "You Look Nice Today" is not a, it's not a show going on at the moment. But when it was going on, um, um, you can still go back and listen to, listen to all the podcast episodes, and it was a really good show. Um, but it was really edited into different segments and, uh, like different sort of stories and jokes. And I think that seemed to have been really edited now when I think about it. Uh, and something like Do by Friday, um, which again, which again is a very casual conversation between, uh, three people. Uh, they basically have a, a weekly challenge of something they have to do. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's very scripted or anything. And it, it definitely isn't, but apparently they do have a very long, it seemed like they, from what I heard, they actually have a really long uh, recording session, and they do um, a lot of editing afterwards in order to get it to the exact format that, that it ends up being. Um, and I think that's partly because like all the three people are like really funny, and they, they do have a lot of things to talk about, and a lot of inside jokes, and I think um, they probably have to edit a few things out, because otherwise it would just become so long, and um Yeah. So I do. I would say that I probably still listen to edited show, but it's not really noticeable that they are edited to the same extent.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a bit like Cortex. I know they've said before in the past that uh, they record for like five or six hours or something per episode, and then there's a ninety minute show at the end of it. And I don't, th- and so it is a tightly edited show. And you know, lots of of topics don't make the show, uh, but it doesn't feel that way, and it does still feel more casual than not. Uh, despite it being fairly well planned and um, you know carefully you know everything that's in there is, is carefully considered uh, but it does doesn't come across that way and, and in part because there's no fancy music before and after and no slow dramatic talking like a lot of these shows have where there you can tell that they're highly edited um, like a lot of those interview shows so I think there is a, a definitely a place for editing but it doesn't always have to Be immediately obvious that something is so tightly edited. Um, And you mentioned Welcome to Macintosh, Kai. And I did try an episode of that, um, the one with uh, where the host's life was saved with the Apple Watch. And I I thought it was an interesting episode, but I also wasn't, I I didn't like the show enough to stick around because it was so dramatic with the sound effects and the editing and the slow talking. And I just really couldn't uh, get into that.
2: That was actually one of the um, Welcome to Macintosh episodes that I didn't finish. And I think that was also because it was so dramatic and it almost made me feel uncomfortable. And I think they even put like a um, disclaimer in the beginning that it is a very dramatic episode. But I think there are some really good ones there. There's this one about, I think it was this 12-year-old guy who basically acquired all this, this old Mac Uh, apple hardware and he basically had this museum uh in in his house where he lived with his parents and he had like a huge collection of those different apple products Uh, i think he was 15 when he was interviewed but i think he started collecting when he was like 11 or something um so you should definitely i think you should try it a bit more and listen to that one um, because i do think the one with apple watch was very special um because of the because of the nature of the topic
0: yeah, okay. yeah I, I I've only listened to the first season and I I enjoyed that and I don't think the first season had anything with Apple watch it was more about um early days Apple and some iPhone stuff and or mostly iPhone stuff I don't remember but it was it was, it was definitely it was a very memorable <laughs> <bullshit>. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it so maybe give season one like episode one two three four and five I believe uh give them a shot i think
1: okay maybe yeah maybe i have to give it another shot
0: yeah but overall i agree i think editing is not really a problem for me but script is um in podcast with mac welcome to macintosh season one apparently being the, the exception
1: uh so just to round out the topic i'm wondering uh how you both make time for podcasts in your life So I tend to listen uh, while commuting. So I have an hour commute each way, five days a week. And that's a a great time to knock over some shows. Uh, Also, while walking uh, around... Um, sometimes I will I will put on a podcast Uh, I used to listen a little bit at the gym but I generally prefer music while exercising so not a lot of listening gets done there and then and then just a little bit around the house as well but I think the bulk of my podcast listening time is while on public transport uh, and I think the the number of shows I subscribe to tends to either grow or shrink to fit that that bill there (laughs) so See, I I
0: did the opposite. I didn't like uh, working out while listening to a podcast, so I stopped working out and listened to podcast.
1: <laughs> it's a great plan. I'm sure that works too. Yeah. So for
0: me, I because I mean I sit at a computer quite a lot during the day. I try to take a longer walk, uh, kind of midday. Um, I try to have at least half an hour, forty five minutes of a walk. Um. And I usually use that time to to listen to podcasts, and then as well as kind of that time throughout the day. So if I'm if I need to to get somewhere, and need to take public transport. I ninety nine percent of the time for those kind of things, I would listen to a podcast. If I'm waiting in, uh waiting at the moment, we have to do a lot of uh, kind of government stuff to to kind of get our get our ids here and get our work permits and uh, get bank accounts and those kind of things so there's a lot of kind of sitting around waiting uh i usually use podcasts uh during that time too unless we're we're both there at the same time because we need to get the same thing done but it's basically a kind of filler for for any uh kind of downtime and sometimes uh, also just very deliberate as a, as a thing to to uh to relax, so I, I pick like one of my games from my uh, from like some of the games that I just really enjoy that are more uh, that do not require a lot of um, mental capacity. It's more something to do with my hands, and then listen to a podcast while doing that. I really enjoy doing that too.
2: Yeah, I'm also. I think I'm similar to you, Zach. I do listen a lot while uh, traveling, um, while while commuting, uh, so that's probably the majority of time I'm listening uh, but then I also sort of try to play something as soon as like every time I have some downtime or every time I'm not talking to someone um so if I'm um if I'm cleaning the, like doing some cleaning or if I'm folding laundry or um if i brush teeth uh i'm turning on a podcast and i think uh i do try to sort of get as much in as possible just because i really enjoy it and i do have a certain i do have some shows i want to get through um and it's boring to just like fold your laundry so it's a perfect opportunity to do it um yeah
0: in general housework is great for this yeah i do i just say that.
2: and it's also i think it encourages me to keep the apartment clean <laughs> um, I feel like, ah, uh, like sometimes I might be like, I don't really want to clean the kitchen or I don't really want to empty the dishwasher. But then I'm like, oh, this new podcast is out. So I should probably do it. And then I end up doing it. So it's pretty good. It's a good motivation. And I'm also, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I am also listening in a uh, faster speed than normal. Uh, I tend to listen in 1.4x uh, plus smart speed um, in overcast. So, that helps me being able to listen to more shows as well. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's really fast. (laughs) I guess it helps get through the list. (laughs) All right. So, do we want to move on to the app list for this week now?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Cool.
1: Um, I'll go first. So, my pick this week is an app called Thunderly. And it's only been on my phone for three days now, but there was a talk at the last Cokerheads uh, Sydney meetup that I went to by a guy named Jan. And it was all about this app that he built um, and sort of spoke a little bit about the app itself and the challenges he faced and sort of the objectives of the app. And it's actually a really cool app. So it's called Dundley. Um, it's on the app store. It's a free download. And the idea behind it, and I'm simplifying here is to show uh, real time or, uh, with very minimal delay a thunder strikes on a 3d map of the earth. Um, so yeah, they're generally shown within a few seconds of happening. I was just using some, an API for that. And I just think it's a really nice looking app. So there's a, a great animation when you first open the app, which can optionally be skipped once the loading is done. I thought that's a nice touch. Um, and then the, just playing around with it and sort of scrolling through the globe is really quite playful. Um, and then, of course, just looking at the, looking at the animations of the thunderstr—sorry, the lightning striking um, as, it, as it's happening in real time is quite nice. And as a bonus, if you have headphones on, it uh, plays some really loud but cool sound effects. So, it's just a, a fun app to lose a, a few minutes in, um, play around with it. And yeah, I thought I'd add it to the list today. Interesting. That, that sounds pretty cool. What That's did you cool. say
0: was still a delay?
1: The delay is usually about three seconds. So there's a a part of the app that says the latency. uh, And at the moment, it's 3.5. And now it's just dropped to 2.7. So it's uh, updating in real time there. And yeah, it's it's pretty good for almost real time uh, lightning strikes. I might have said thunder before, but I meant lightning.
2: That's really cool. I'm going to go ahead and download it after after we're done recording.
0: Cool. That will be interesting to get into our list.
2: Yeah, Um, it's a very different list, different type of app.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let me go next with a very uh, utility-focused app. Um, It's actually a bit of a hack. I actually use it way more on the Mac than I use it on iOS. Um,
2: Oh, I thought that's in the rules, that we shouldn't pick Mac up.
1: Are you breaking your own rule, Kai?
0: That's what I'm saying. It is, it is a hack. It is. I use it more, way more on the Mac, but it is an iOS app, and most of the things I will say uh, will apply to both, so it's technically still in the rules. What do you reckon, Marlon? Disqualify this choice?
2: <laughs> I think... I picked a lot of things that are also on Mac. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm I c I am going to i am can not really <laughs> vote against Kai on this because I'm the same.
0: So a, and it's also it's a great app. It's a great app on any platform. I just
2: I would probably have picked this one next week if I did if Kai wouldn't have. So,
0: so to pick a solver um spelled S O U L V E R. Um and it's basically a a type of calculator app um so you basically have a, a text input and um so you can do free text uh input to to, to kind of generate calculations so it gives you a lot of different ways uh of how you can use it. And I've seen a lot of different people using it. So you can go kind of the basic, just add numbers together. Uh, and in the end of the line, you kind of see the total that, um, that was resulting out of this calculation. Um, and it does that all right. But the exciting things start happening when you start to use some of their more advanced features, um, because you can input not just numbers, but any text, um it figures out a lot of things for you. So, for example, if I would put into my document uh, six AUD, it would figure out AUD is probably Australian dollars, and now it has the six uh, displays the six as a money value, and then you can kind of do it right in the in. In the text input and right in the app, you can do conversions in in normal normal language. So I could could do something like six AUD plus four AUD, um, and it would spit out uh, ten AUD. And then I can add in CAD for Canadian dollars, and then it does a conversion. So it kind of picks the, the current conversion rate and automatically does that conversion for you. And that's really nice because it also um, updates the conversion rate quite frequently. So um, if you just open the document later, you will see the, the latest result. And you can also store things in variables. So you can also say uh, something is like, for example, if you want to calculate uh, prices with tax, you can have call something tax equals and then give it a value, let's say 9.5%. And then you can, uh, in the next line, uh, add a lot of things that you want to buy together. And then... um, uh, plus that with the variable of tax. And because you've declared tax before, it will just add 10%. And uh, it does that super... Uh, uh, in a way that really works for the way I would approach those things, because I want to add all the things together and then add 10%. Well it's quite difficult with a regular calculator just to add 10%, you always have to kind of multiply it with 1.1 instead. And I kind of like this idea of just having numbers and adding a percentage to them. Uh, you can also do a lot of computer sciencey things. So you can have something like if we record a show and uh, um, the file I'm uploading might be one gigabyte, I can uh, 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 divide that into 300 megabits uh, megabit per second and convert that into minutes and then tells me that I... That uh, uploading that file will take zero point four um, uh, minutes, which I think is a really cool thing to kind of do. Those calculations quite, quite nicely in a way that is very, very natural.
1: Way to show off your internet connection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, huh? Also showed up the uh, showed off the weird way of. How uh, Canadian prices do not include tax.
2: I know, I know. I was a bit worried. I think that would discourage Zach mm. from from visiting <laughs> us. But um,
0: but there are a lot of there are a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, there's a near infinite amount of different things. You if you write AAPL, it figures out that that's a stock symbol for the Apple stock and picks up the current stock price um, and knows that it is in uh, Aust- uh, Can- uh, US dollars. Um, So there are a lot of those kind of things. I I use it for for basically anything that's a calculation. Uh, I open a a solver sheet and I really, really enjoy using the app. And I think it's been open for, of all the apps I've used on my Mac, I think this might be in the top three apps that's been open the longest on my Mac. Cool. And on iOS, of course, because uh, otherwise I would break the rules and I would never break the rules.
2: All right. Um so my turn. Um, I picked a game this time again. And it's called One Button Travel. So One Button Travel is like a it's a text adventure game and it's it's a really cool game. I played it a while ago, but I'm thinking about actually replaying it because um, it's a, as I said, it's a text adventure game, so you have different alternatives and different paths you can take. So it's definitely worth playing multiple times and it's a really really well thought out game. Uh I also have to say that this is also by the same creator. This was by coincidence, I forgot about this. But this is actually the same creator who made rules. Um and I guess the art style is slightly similar, um, but it's a completely different game. So basically you start out um a conversation with someone. I think you um there's a there's a there's a button just saying that you should tap it, I think. I think that's what it starts with. Yeah, I think it's a button there. And then I think you get a text message, like a simulation of a text message saying that you should not push the button. And that's sort of the first introduction to a game. And that's where you have to decide whether you should push the button or not. So it it is really cool. And you sort of get to, you have no idea who you're actually talking to uh, or what path you should take. uh, And that's what makes it really cool and and really exciting. And the music is really good as well. So if you're playing this game, you should probably not do it while listening to a podcast because, uh, first of all, the the you need to actually pause and read everything that's that's showing up on the screen. Uh, but you also, I think, I would really recommend that you listening to the music. It's like this really creepy, creepy music. Sometimes I didn't really want to play this game uh, in the dark because it's really setting an atmosphere with the music. Uh, yeah, that's my pick.
0: It is a really good game, and it also has this kind of time mechanic. So um, it is that you're you're basically communicating with another person in in the game. And sometimes it is that um, all those interactions happen in real time. So if the other person is uh, going somewhere and it takes them like a few hours to get there, you might actually not be able to continue the game for a few hours until the person got there and gets back to you. Uh, So it kind of has this, I think it was uh, one of the... Uh, was out on day one for the Apple Watch launch, I believe.
2: Yeah, it was really cool on the Apple Watch, just because um as soon as if if the person you were texting with was absent for like two hours, you would suddenly get a message on your watch. And it was quite rare that I got messages. I got a notification on my watch then. So then I knew that the person was back in the game and that I could keep on playing. It was mm. so exciting.
0: Yeah, but I I also really enjoyed. It. I feel sorry for Zach that we keep recommending uh games and T V shows then you will not play or watch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I it is what it is. And he's very honest. That's good.
2: <laughs> so let's start putting things in the list. I have used solvers. So I feel like I'm quite happy to start with that one. And then we can sort of push, talk about that one, Kai.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, I would actually argue for solver being on number two, yeah. uh, pushing things I agree. down by one
2: yeah I agree because yeah, it, I, it, I think that's fine yeah
1: I haven't used it but it seems sort of really handy and really cool and just sort of fills that gap for when you need something done with yeah numbers oh or, you should you should like really that.
0: use I think it's actually made in Sydney so um, ah fancy so yeah I think I think you should uh, try it out it It is really 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 good.
1: I will have to do that.
0: It's also interesting that we still have Tweetbot on number one after talking yeah, for an I was hour about, that
1: too.
0: Uh, about um, well, alternatives well, Tweetbot to Twitter. Is still a good app. I know, regardless I know. of what else is going on. It's just sad that they were forced to make their app less good. Mm, we should probably revisit, but but I think uh, I think you're right. Tweetbot is still a really good app, and we should we should keep it where it is uh, while we yep. can.
2: I moved ahead while you guys were talking, and I felt that uh, One Button Travel is a better game uh, just because it has so much story as well. Uh, it's better than Rules, uh, so I felt like we should probably put it to similar height as Rules. Um, so I put it just above that. Um, it's hard to compare the game to things like Fantastical and like other utility apps. Um, what do you think, Kai? Are you happy to, to leave it down there on place number ten?
0: Yeah. I'd I'd be happy with that.
2: Great. And Zach, what do you think about Thunderly?
1: Uh for Thunderly I was thinking between City Mapper and Holdown, so in place seven there. Um, mainly because I think it's it's pretty cool app and it probably doesn't push up against a lot of the utilities that we've got in the top half of the list at the moment. Uh but I, I think it is uh, definitely a, a super cool app that doesn't deserve to be down the bottom or towards the bottom.
0: i uh, I have to defend Hold Down on 7. after Just yesterday, I think I played one three-hour round on Hold Down. I, I now made it into, I think, the top 100 uh, on Game Center. Uh, just... Congrats. Bragging, bragging Just about brag. my my great achievements in life. Um, First, your internet, now your hold down score. <laughs> um, but I'd be happy with it uh, pushing time there down and coming in right under hold down. Poor
1: time there, but I guess that fits. Yeah, yeah. If you really, I, I don't feel passionately about hold down. So if you if you want that above, I, I, think, that I works. think I think we can move
0: it up after. But at the moment, hold down is still. Such a
1: good game that I I'd like to keep it there for for one more week. So when you're back out of the top hundred, you're fine for it to come right down. <laughs> yep, tear it down. This works.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's this list is getting hard to decide. Like I feel now after putting one button, button one button travel in, I feel like maybe it should be above Fantastical because I get so much joy out of it. But in the same time, Fantastical is something I have been using a lot and it is quite a quite a unique um like uh, quite, quite a well made um calendar app to to quickly add appointments and they also do have both they they both have mac and ios apps so we keep it this way now but this is starting to get a lot harder than it used to be
1: yeah it's really difficult to rank games and utility apps and general purpose things all on the one list so you yeah. have to think about maybe how we can uh, change up the list to better suit our users.
0: Yep. I think if we get to a point where we have enough of the categories, it might make sense to uh, break games and apps into two separate things. Um, I mean, (laughs) the App Store has recently done that too. Just like the App Store. Yep. So maybe they were onto something there.
1: Cool.
2: I think we will probably start uploading this list somewhere um, so it's a bit easier to just look through it um, because we do start to get a lot of things. I don't think it makes sense for us to run through the whole list now uh, but I think just to wanted to wrap up and say that we mentioned uh, Thunderly at place number 8 and we also added Solver at place number 2 and the Bombas in Travel on 11.
1: Alright, so... We've now recorded 10 full episodes. We've actually
0: recorded 11.
1: We've actually recorded 11. The first (laughs) never saw the light of day. Oh, 12 if you include this mysterious episode zero, which was never released. (laughs) You're right. This is the 10th episode that you, dear listener, are hearing. We're really enjoying doing this. And we know from some of the feedback that some of you are really enjoying listening too. And we would like to ask a favor. We'd really like you to help us out. If you enjoy the show, there are a few ways you can go about sharing it and helping it reach a wider audience. So you could just tell a friend. Most podcast apps that you're listening in would have a share feature of some sort. You can rate it on iTunes, preferably five stars, but hey, I'm not <laughs> going to hold you to that. Um, you can favorite it or recommend it, I think, in Overcast. uh There are are various ways. Um, You could tweet about it, or you could mastodon about it, toot about (laughs) it, Um, or you could just good old-fashioned, no, that's not going to work. I was going to suggest writing a letter. (laughs) I mean, you could do that.
2: and sending. I guess you could talk to people. I think that's another way of passing on a message.
0: You could rent advertisement space all over Sydney. Do we
1: really expect people to... Talk to other people? It's a, it's a tough ask. Like, talking to people... I won't, I won't hold it against you if you don't want to talk to somebody else. You can just send them the link. That's fine.
2: No, I think that, I think that summarizes it well.
1: Yep. So, we also did want to point out a few links where you can go to either give us feedback or keep in touch. Um, where, on Twitter, our show account is so underscore cast... On mastodon.technology, our handle is socast without the underscore or, or space or anything in between.
2: Why do we have this inconsistency? <laughs> uh,
1: mostly because on Twitter we couldn't get socast. Uh,
2: okay, yeah. I thought we should um, maybe just keep the underscore and th- th- tell people that that was planned all along.
0: I mean, now when Twitter is essentially dead.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm. <laughs> so if you. <laughs> If you would like to give us some feedback, you can do so at either of those channels. Um, we'll consider setting up an email in the future, but that's not on the... Uh, we spoke about this bit about this earlier, and that's a bit harder to maintain than just a, a Twitter account. So that's probably the best place for feedback. Uh, you can also keep in touch with us individually. So... Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zach Simone, which is just my name, and also on Mastodon at ZS on Mastodon.social, also on Mastodon.technology at ZS. I've got to somehow bring those two accounts together, but you can find me there. Uh, Where can Kai be found?
0: Um, On Twitter, I'd be AirKai, A-I-R-K-A-I. And on uh, Mastodon, I'm at the moment on Mastodon.social, with username Kai Dombrowski, that is K-A-I-D-O-M-B-R-O-W-S-K-I. And Malin, where can you be found?
2: Um, Thank you very much, Kai. Um, So I'm on Twitter. Um, It's just my full name, Malin Sundberg. Um, So that's Malin, M-A-L-I-N, Sundberg, S-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. Um, and on Mastodon, uh, it's just my first name, and I'm also at. Dot, uh, I'm also on dot .social, so it's Malin M A L I N at uh, Mastodon
0: And we'll also this time put all the links to all those places into the show notes. So in case you can't spell any of our names, especially Z S is really hard, um, we put that into the show notes so you can just uh, tap or click onto the link. Uh, of the person of your choice and the feedback channel of your choice and, and get in touch with us there.
1: Yep. And cool. yep, we appreciate all the feedback. Yeah. And um, if you like the show, we would also appreciate if you share it with a friend. But don't talk to them. Don't talk to them if you don't want to. I don't want to put that pressure on you. <laughs> uh, feel free to send them a message. That's
2: fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, or okay. write them a letter or a
2: postcard. Okay, it was great chatting to you, Zach. Yeah, you too. Then talk to you after DevWorld.
1: Yeah, we'll chat in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, no. Listeners, you won't notice anything. This should come out <laughs> exactly a week before the next one. But yeah, we won't be speaking for a couple of weeks. All right. Um, so, yeah. Uh,
0: by that time, we also have to get, really get ready for, for the
1: uh, September event draft. Yes, there could be some interesting episodes around that. We might even know the date of the event by the time we record next. Uh, so that could be exciting.
2: That's like two hours of content right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All See, right. that line on the Apple event invite means that the next iPhone is going to be paper thin. <laughs> That's what it's telling me. <laughs> no. All right. Hopefully we don't do that kind of silly speculation. But yeah. All right. Have a good couple of
2: weeks and yeah.
1: we'll chat again in a bit. Okay, All Right.
2: perfect. Talk to you later, Zach. Bye. Bye-bye. Please like and subscribe.
0: Rate us on iTunes. Star us on Overcast.
2: If you like us, please give us five stars. If you don't, don't give us anything. Don't even bother.
0: Contact it. our... Uh... Contact Contact. us on our contact form on our website.